my assistant John O'Shea I'd have conversations with him about Ronaldo and he just said like he's always always whether it's he's eating exercise always trying to be the best version of himself every day This is the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast, where we do exactly what it says on the tin. We straight talk mental health, we talk about everyday issues, how they affect us, how they affect the people around us, how we're affected by the people around us, and we try to cut through all the bullshit on that and just have those straight conversations in ways that we can all understand and relate to. This week on the podcast, we are going to be joined by gentleman Jim Crawford, as I know him, because Jim is an absolute gent. If you don't know the name, you might not recognize the name. Jim is the under-21s Ireland football manager, and we're going to be talking about mental health within the FAI, what it's like to be a player, what it's like to be a manager for a national team, and really looking forward to that chat with him. My name is Alan Clark. I am a psychotherapist with a degree in counselling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. Ordinarily, I'm joined by my firstborn male heir, Cameron. He's not around. He's busy again. He's stepping in. That is Mr. Peter Dunn. Peter Dunn of all these awards. PPI Awards, Imro Awards, but he doesn't like to go on about it. Yeah, no, is. we let it that bit out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot a load of other awards, so we'd have to edit uh, another yeah, bit uh, in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we let it that bit out, but uh, let's not forget all the other awards. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with you, man? How are you getting on? Not a bother at all. Not a bother at all. Um, it's cold. It's yeah, winter it's is kicking in, and I have to defrost this car this morning, so that's lovely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, back to that again. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's up with little KC? He's absentia today. He he's a busy dude. Up to his, he's up to his nuts in college work and internship that you hooked up and working as well. So a um, little bit of nepotism goes a long way. Oh, yeah. yeah nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong yeah, with that. RT have survived on it for years. Um, <laughs> and equally as as we talked to Jim today because Jim is a golfing buddy of mine and that's how we got him but we still had to mm-hmm. jump through some hoops with the FAI to set it all up and all of that kind of thing so fair enough yeah that's a very different experience than we're, than we're used to so yeah just come on and we have a chat it's like just kind of protocols we gotta go through so yeah yeah <laughs> but looking looking forward to that so, yeah but Cammy, Cammy's up to his eyes and you're the you're the one that'll have all the football knowledge, mm-hmm. Jim. Exactly. Yeah. Look forward to that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's funny, you know. Cammy, yeah, he's a busy man, but I think you know, it kind of brought me back to my own college days when you were just mm. flat out. You know, I think to do it on purpose. I think all the lecturers <laughs> get together and they go, "Let's pile the crap onto these guys so yeah, they can handle yeah. it in the real world." You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's tough out going. Yeah, it is. I was the same mm. in college myself as a well, I was doing it as an adult as a grown up. Mm. you're trying to work doing your degree you're trying to yeah. do your counseling hours you're trying to do your clinical hours you're trying to do your day job to pay for the to pay for the course it's, and it's during all those bullet points you're, you're not mentioning your life at all you know no yeah <laughs> being a father <laughs> yeah 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 my god um that was tough old going any old crack with you any old crack no not much now not much this week just just kind of working away Mm. How about yourself? You're back on. We normally don't have you on. We normally have you about every six to eight weeks. Yeah, it's <laughs> back great. On quick enough. Yeah, yeah. no. I say if I can get a chance, I'll be on. Of course, hundred percent. Mm. So mm. Uh, yeah, delighted to be back. Um, uh, last week we had JD. JD. 
What a story. What a story. What a story. <laughs> a snap. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. What a what a character and what a story. And what did you take from it? Obviously, we we listened to it. You weren't you weren't there for the interview, but you you've listened to it since. What, she, what did you take? She's from one that of one? those people who an interviewer loves that mm. will just talk and talk and talk. But oh, you don't unfortunately, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're running out of time, especially when you're on air and you're looking at the clock and you're going, I have to take news now at eleven o'clock. <laughs> and they're going blah 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 and you're going yep yeah, yep yeah, thanks for that yeah no that's fantastic yeah, Andrew tell yeah. us about your website and tell us what you're doing and then yeah, we'll yeah. chat to you again you know what I mean you're trying to get rid of them but not you're trying to get rid of them but you're just conscious of time but yeah you're conscious see, of time that's yeah. the beauty part about a podcast it's not a radio mm. show just go talk yeah yeah well, I was saying I was saying to Cameron like as you know sometimes you know this Cameron can be a little bit quiet and I think that's where the, the experience you know I obviously I like that exactly like you're saying around time I'd be like that with clients and you're watching the clock mm-hmm. and okay we need to start wrapping this up and you need to allow that few minutes at the end you know so you're cutting in mm-hmm. I was texting camera I was like don't be afraid to ask a question he's like I'm trying like I'm not I'm not getting a chance I was like you, you just gotta jump in yeah, you yeah, just yeah. gotta you just gotta same, same as we did with Nick you just gotta you just gotta come in and that's that's the experience you know, yeah it comes along okay you, you wait you're kind of watching for them okay wait for that inhale to take a breath and then bang <laughs> jump yeah. just fucking jump in there like a fucking ninja like it just yeah. attack us <laughs> i mean i like i remember dealing with people before in an old job who are uh, sports commentators and with a sports commentator they love to talk you know, oh, yeah. they love to talk. They do it for and, an hour and a half, don't they? <laughs> but you, you get to a point where you're going, right? Okay, we need, we need to leave this. The game is over, and they're doing their analysis. Mm. You know, and you're going right. I need an out point. Except there was one particular commentator who used to start a sentence, then take a breath, and then finish the sentence. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? And then <laughs> start the next sentence in the same breath, and then take a breath, and you're going. Would you stop, please? <laughs> and you know, you know exactly what they're doing, you know. And it just sounds yeah. bad if you cut them off mid sentence. Go, thanks very much for that, and uh, we'll rejoin yeah. you very soon. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah egos, JD, JD man. Egos. Oh, egos. Yeah. But JD, JD was great. An incredible story. Anyone that didn't check out last yeah. week's episode where we discussed psychosis, and um, JD spoke about her own experience of psychosis and trauma and PTSD and bipolar. Um, thing thing that sort of struck me was there was a kind of nearly a perpetual trauma because you know she the psychosis you know developing out of childhood trauma, she had trauma in childhood physical abuse and stuff like that. She then turns to alcohol and other substances by means of addiction, which puts her in and obviously you're out of your head, puts you into situations which mm-hmm. can be at risky, which leads to more trauma. So that trauma from childhood yeah, yeah. leads to issues with substances which puts her in a position to have more trauma yeah so it was like trauma begets trauma um i thought that was a very interesting point from from what she was talking about um last week but you could hear the frustration in her voice where she's talking about like i don't know if these things are real or not you know if wow. and what i'm seeing yeah. or what i'm hearing is actually is this real or is it a psychosis you know i thought that was yeah you hear the frustration in her as, as, she, as she spoke about it that's that is scary you know scary and you know the the part she was talking about um the, when she was in her car she tried to commit suicide yeah yeah wow. you know it's powerful stuff you know multiple suicide attempts yeah yeah just that occasion stuck with me 
Mm. Um, you know, that was really vivid. Uh, I would encourage anybody to go back and have a listen to that. So that was the latest episode. Uh, yeah, and it, it resonated with listeners as well. So we had we had Amy who was on on our on our miscarriage episode. Amy came on and um, yeah. she had commented, "Listen to this, listen to this morning while walking the dog." Wow. Um, and I had commented back at Amy. I think he prefers to be called Brendan, Amy. <laughs> 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 Brendan being a partner and Brendan being Jim's brother. There you um, go. Crawford, the Crawford boys. Mammy Crawford did a good job because the two Crawford boys are quite, quite sound. Um, <laughs> the only way Amy can get Brendan out for a walk is to give him a buggy and a golf club. <laughs> so I, I, I offered to take him out for a walk. A golf buggy now, or a child <laughs> yeah, a golf buggy. Yeah, right. a golf buggy. <laughs> yeah. So that's that definitely resonated with with Amy, mm. and it resonated with a lot of people. A like client that I listened to it, um, speaking to her last night, she's like, "Oh wow, we just listen listen to this week's one. Like, what a what a story." Mm. Um, Orla had uh, commented on it as well. So you gave her mental health heart and the applause for Orla. Wow. Paul on Twitter had uh, had a few comments to make as well. Uh, did you see Paul's comments after no. listening to last week's episode? <laughs> um, so we've had this weird thing of I won't I, I won't get into a Cameron and this thing to the homies. Listen back to the last three episodes and you'll get this mm. <laughs> you'll get this thing of to the homies. Um, and Paul had tweeted at us. If you'd like to tweet at us, you can do that at STMH Podcast. Uh, that's the same as the website STMHPodcast.com. If you want to hit us up with some feedback, if you've got a story to tell, if you want to get in contact for any reason, you can email us at hello at STMH Podcast. Paul tweeted at us, fuck's sake, I was listening to STMH podcast and spit my coffee all over my laptop when Cameron mentioned a dick pic. So, <laughs> whether that's Cameron telling Andrew to fuck off or for aiming shots at him <laughs> or just elaborating on no unsolicited dick pics. Paul called us a bunch of funny fuckers. And he also listened to JD's episode. He gave us a retweet. Just list, just finished listening to this week's episode. Wow, that's a hard story, but so interesting. Nice one, JD, and nice interview, with you guys. Looking forward to next week. Try not to spit my coffee this time. That'll be, that'll be good. It's a waste of coffee. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. Go on, Paul. Emma had uh, also tweeted us in regards to one of the posts we put up around JD. I lied in the past because having borderline personality with PDA autism trait carries a lot of stigma, and that made me ashamed. And then she gave a link to her own story and her and her own her own blog. JD had spoke about lying in a job interview that she was on medication and it was only short term. Oh, fact. right. It was long term, and it, yeah, the job basically got too much for her, and she ended up getting fired as a result. And that's that's the result of all of this on your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. You know, difficult maintaining the job, and then you're out of work, and that's going to impact your mental health and so much. Mm. You know, it doesn't just begin and end with you've got a bit of depression or you've got a bit of anxiety or you've you know got a bit of PTSD. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't end there. It's the impact that has on your life then as well. Mm. Yeah, so look, we're reaching people, which is great. People are people are finding us, but uh, we need people to share. We need people to like and comment, and uh, we need to help more people. Yeah. So please do share the stories, tell people about them, or stick them on your social media and uh, give us a share, retweet, like, whatever, because that all counts. And the more people we can help, the better we are at chipping away at the stigma around mental health, and the more we can do for people. Simple as, very very simple. Do you think there's a stigma around sharing mental health stuff? I think there is. Yeah, Shocking, there is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I think. You know, when people share mental health stuff, some people might think, oh, they're struggling with their mental health. Mm, mm. You know. Well, I've always had it. I've always had it in the practice. 
of you know if you go down and get a great haircut and someone says jeez I love your hair where'd you get done oh Colin down the road there he he's after he hooked me up like I was like oh man that's a fucking fresh cut like people don't you don't you say know, the, the term problem. fresh cut do you no no but that's what the, that's what the kids would say like I don't fucking say kids I can't pull that off man I'm not that cool kids in the <laughs> 90s say that off. man kids in the 90s say <laughs> that the kids are still saying it the kids are still kids saying kids nowadays I don't know All right, help well. me out kids help me out <laughs> but that's I mean that's the thing with therapy is you know people come out and uh, you know they're make these life life changing yeah, yeah. behaviors and stuff like that but people are reluctant to sell a product that they don't want to admit that they've used mm. you know the majority of people now some people are quite open around it and, and i spoke about it on a podcast before of anyone that is quite open around it it always tends to be a positive experience because it opens up that conversation with someone else going, yeah yeah just oh i had counseling as well or oh, i've often thought about oh you should do it like you know therapies therapy's great therapy yeah really helps but it's you know, there is still that stigma, even though people attend, you know, there's still that reluctance to go, oh, here, I was down with Alan there and, uh, you know, absolutely brilliant, you know, go down there and sort yourself out. Can yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people are certainly, certainly in the minority. So I think there is still that stigma, whether still it's is, even yeah. acknowledging the, the benefits of therapy or anything like that or sharing is like, that's a mental health. Why, why are they sharing a mental health? Yeah. What's, yeah, yeah. what's that about, you know? Yeah. Wonder, I wonder if got a, oh, Jesus, I wonder if there's something there now, you know? I suppose if somebody, if a lad dyes his hair, he's not going to share it just for men on Facebook, is he? And go, here you go, lads, <laughs> I've done this, it's brilliant. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But I remember before a guy coming into me, I won't mention his name, but he got uh, hair transplants. Uh, mm. Not a hair, hair follicle, something, whatever the hell. Mm. He was going bald. And he didn't want to be bald. So he went over to Turkey or whatever and got the, the hair done. But he At came straight into me in work and went, look, look at look at this. I'm not getting... And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, fair play to you for coming in mm. and telling mm. me, you know, you're after getting this. Not that you had to tell anybody. But I suppose he had to because when you notice him with long flowing locks, you're going to go, hold on for a second, you were going bald <laughs> a few weeks ago. Now look. <laughs> I had to wear sunglasses with the light bouncing off your bald spot there. And now all of a sudden you've got fucking... You look like cozier. David Ginella, you know. Hey, oh, hey, football fans, football fans. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're on series three of Premier League. Fair play to you. With David Ginella. I watched all that. He just uh, got his contract free. with head head and shoulders didn't they yeah oh yeah he did that 96 well, flowing locks. Yeah. head and shoulders gives you a little bit of dandruff so you keep using head and shoulders <laughs> <laughs> we do smiles and riles no um, yeah, yeah we can we can we can do that if anybody doesn't know smiles and riles this is uh, it's part of the show where we just discuss things that you know make us smile and the things that basically piss us off because good mental health is about expressing the good mm. and the bad isn't it absolutely and, and we came to them we came to smiles and riles developed out of it was a kind of oh should we have you know a good thing to talk about and i was like well that's a bit of pressure just to come up with something good mm. and then i was like i was like oh we have a grime of gears we have something to piss us off and i was like well yeah. then it's just focusing on the negative so then it just became smile and riles go, all right, let's find something good and let's find mm. something that's that's pissed us off as well. So, good mental health is about tackling of... the bad shit that happens as well. And you know, we're yeah. going to be honest and open. We were the last time me and you were on the podcast because we were just we were, we were a miserable, a <laughs> you know, <laughs> miserable shower of you know what. <laughs> but that, that's but that's like that's but that's exactly what we're about. We're not going to mm. come on and go, and sometimes you know yourself, you know, you could be having a bad day. You still got to get the game face on when the light goes red and you have to record on the radio. Same as I have to do when when a client walks in the door. So, you know, but on this, it's like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to pretend. We are going to say, you know what, actually having a bit of a shit day Mm. um, and we're going to, 
we're going to talk about that because we're not here. And I think what a lot of people do is to kind of perpetuate this idea of perfectionism. That Oh, my life is great. And, you know, oh, I've got this and I can manage this and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, nah, that's all bullshit. Like, let's, mm. you know, let's, let's just be honest here. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah. finally, someone else as well. You just and I see that particularly with, I see that particularly a lot with parents. And they're coming into me and they're going, but, yeah, but everyone else has their shit together. And I'm like, no, they don't. Because everyone, <laughs> yeah. else is fucking, everyone else is fucking sitting in here with me before you are. Yeah, exactly, and they're all yeah. going, everyone else has their shit together. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. have to, and there is that piece of going, no, they don't. Mm. The house is immaculate. Yeah, because I spent four hours cleaning it because I know you were going to come over. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Nobody knocks <laughs> on the door anymore. People yeah, text yeah. and say, text, are you there? Are you around? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, no problem at all. Quick, clean, yeah. Yeah. quick. <laughs> Run! <laughs> The wash machine's full. Just fucking throw it under the bed. I don't care. Just hide the dirty clothes. Throw everything into a room and lock it. Lock it. And, and then burn it. <laughs> and then there's and then one cup is left out. We'll go, oh, Jesus, sorry about the mess. Yeah, oh, shocking. I <laughs> yeah. told them to clear uh, that away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus, there you are. Oh, God, I'm after. Oh, there's a cup there. Oh, sorry, Jesus, stay in the place. Yeah, really sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whoever has walked into a house and went, ah, cup, right. Is that uh, cup? I might come back another Fuck day. Yeah, hell. see yeah, ya. Yeah. Good luck. I called around there. And do you know what was there? There was a cup on the sink. A cup? My God. Yeah. <laughs> They're the people you don't want in your house, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're one of those people, you're not invited around to my house. Mm, pretty Although, much. to be fair, not a lot of people get invited around to my house. Because <laughs> I'm autistic and introverted, so I'm quite <laughs> alright being on my own. <laughs> you stay outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I got, a, I got a doormat. I remember putting up a picture. It was a, a, a welcome mat. And I had this like Art Deco style of for out the front door. And I put up a picture going, this is an ironic doormat because you are in fact not fucking welcome Fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> no way you did not you did not I did, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's brilliant antisocial me never <laughs> yeah cool right smiles riles uh let's give you a rile what have you got for me um our website mm. is pissing me uh-huh. off. The reason uh-huh. being is because, you know, we obviously have that filter on it that says, you know, people can comment on episodes and that's no problem oh, at all. Yeah. yeah. Except <laughs> the only people that comment on our episodes on the website are fucking bots or yeah. viruses or whatever the fuck. Four o'clock in the morning, my watch is buzzing from an email we just got in. Please approve from this Russia. comment. Yeah. <laughs> Russian women in your area want to meet you. And like, I don't know if that's a positive thing or a negative thing. You know? <laughs> fucking hell. You better fucking up your game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying they're in my area. <laughs> you left a cup out. You left a cup out on the sink yesterday. Cup out the way you in Soviet Russia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, that was that was yeah, pissing me off. An, it is quite But annoying, I I had to mute all them emails because just yeah. ridiculous. So yeah, um, just there you go. we we love when it. people comment, but not when Yeah, instead yeah, we'll turn that off and instead yeah. just hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or exactly, hit us up yeah. with an email. Twitter's probably the quickest one. But uh yeah, that's that's a rile of mine. It was it was pissing me off. So uh uh just anything spam. else? Right, I mean, no, I don't think so. I'll give you a smile. I'm going to see my beloved very soon. 
I, I know you're not talking about Laura, and I'm going. I see Laura every day. Man United, Man United. Yes. You know <laughs> he says with the United jersey hanging up in the background. Yeah, that's my. Is that just for Jim? Is that jersey. just a taunt, Jim? No, I always leave that there. Um, I I like to wear that when United are playing, and the kids the kids like to wear their jerseys then when I wear mine. So we all sit down and watch a match. Brilliant. Actually, yeah. watch match. They sit down with me for five minutes, and then they piss off because they get bored because they're only three yeah, and five, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then they will pop happen. back every so often. And uh, but uh, yeah, I'm heading over. It's it's kind of a rile as well because normally when you um, normally when you book a flight, you book your hotel and you have your mm. tickets and all ready to go. You go, oh, that's great. I'm look forward to that. Except mm. you can't look forward to it. Why? Because the world is topsy turvy, and it mightn't yeah. even happen. It's in around a month's time, and uh, you know it's numbers still in the are, back of my mind. Numbers I'm are thinking, going up here. <laughs> I know numbers are going up. You're keeping an eye mm. in the UK. You're keeping an eye on everything here, and you're going. Mm. I bought COVID insurance in case the flight didn't go ahead, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a ball at the same time, you know. Um, but I haven't been to Manchester in about six years, and I really look forward to it. I can't wait to go over. And I'm just going over. I'm just going over myself. I'm not going over with anyone else. I kind of talk, but I ask, and I ask him, and I'll say, mm. and then I talk. No, you know something. I'm in control of this myself. I'm going to get my own flight. And I'm going to get my own ticket. I'm going to get my own hotel. Actually, I, I originally planned to leave first thing in the morning and come back last thing at night. Mm. Get over first thing in the morning, it's about €25. Euro. To get mm. back last thing at night, it's about €200. Euro. What? Oh, fleecing oh, because, of it. because of the match, yeah. Dirty so fuckers. to get a hotel for about €40, Euro, the flight the next day is about €15. Euro. <laughs> so I'll go with that. But I'm home. I'm back in Ireland for nine o'clock in the morning. So Jesus. no issue. You know, it'll start yeah, work the next day. Who <laughs> were they playing? They're playing Crystal Palace. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, look, I look, I'm just looking forward Not to going too over. Good. Not doing too good. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah. But look, look, dude. I <laughs> follow United. Mental health. Win, lose, draw. I follow United. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. ignore them when they're losing. So you know, you, you follow the story. I you can easily, the I can easily follow Man United because Nicky tweets every fucking game and tweets how shit they are. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Nicky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's he's, entitled he's, he's to their vicious. opinion. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, but I used to go loads. I used to go over to Manchester maybe three times a year over the games and uh, I, rem- <laughs> I remember talking to a priest years ago who was around around the same age uh, as myself mm. and uh, whatever conversation came up about football and he said um, oh I do I do love to go over to Premier League games myself and I went mm. oh right okay yeah fair enough and who do you support oh I'm a, I'm a big Chelsea fan I go over to Stamford Bridge maybe three times a year well wow like would you head over with a few E he's no no I'll go over by myself and that's it. And all of a sudden, mm. I got this image of a priest getting a Ryanair flight and landing in London, getting on the train, <laughs> walking towards Stamford Bridge, ripping off the fucking dog collar, throwing it to one Who side. Chelsea! 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 West Ham, you fucking mugs! You fucking... <laughs> you know, blood streaming out his face, fighting with the ultras, you know what I mean? <laughs> and that is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forgive me, Father, <laughs> for I have sinned. 
I'll be fucking having it large next week. <laughs> you want some of this? Amen. You want some of this? Yes. Body of Christ. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, I'm really looking forward to now. Hopefully it all goes ahead. So fingers mm. crossed. Well, it goes ahead. Hopefully we can leave the country and return. You know, yeah, which is a bonus. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, on is right. So that's what has me smiling and riling this week. What about yourself, dude? Do you want to give us a smile first or a rile? Which you want, smile or rile first? Ah, uh, give us a rile. We'll end on a smile. Rile. All right. Oh, my rile. It's a big one. It's a BR, as Cammy would say. It's a BR. Have you seen this thing that the spiking? Women getting spiked. Have you seen this fucking increase in this? Like, yeah, it's horrific. Absolutely. Like, I, I can't, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, like what sort of a low life thinks whether this is getting it to try and get women into bed or, you know, just doing it for entertainment purposes. I've seen someone falling around the place as like, what, what is going on in someone's life that this is, this is what they have to do. There was a thing. I can't remember. Um, was it in the UK? There was a lot of, a lot of young women taking a stand of girls night in or something like this. So all right, all the women weren't going to go out as as by way of kind of bringing attention to this kind of thing. Of like, imagine going out and having to worry about someone spiking your drink. Like, it's horrific. Yeah, You're just out for a night with your friends, and then this happens. I mean, I, I might had my drink. I had my drink spiked years ago, long, no long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Cammy's mom at the time, was out with Nikki, Nikki and his now wife, and they must have thought they were spiking one of the women's drinks. They end up spiking mine, and I was just. I was out of it. I sort of knew what was going on and I didn't know what was going on at the same right. time. And I, I, I have very little memory of the event bar. I remember they had to go, no, you need to, you need, we need to bring you out here. Like you're there's something, there's something wrong. Like, Jeez. but I remember, I'll never forget. I was sitting on a wall in the town and this is how long ago it was. I had a Velcro wallet and I took my wallet <laughs> out and I, op- and I opened my wallet and I heard the noise of Velcro. I was like, someone's got my wallet. I can hear it. I can hear it. Someone's after opening my wallet. I was like, it's you, you have it. Like, Jesus. And it's just, that's about the only thing I can remember. But I just remember being sort of half knowing what was going on and half not knowing what was going on. And, you know, if you're some lad and you spike some girl, you bring her home. Oh, I'll bring you home. I'll take you home safe. Like, mm. if that's your goal, like, you you need to be asking some serious questions of yourself, like, because that's that's an horrendous, horrendous. Absolutely horrific. Yeah. Absolutely so horrific. Th- this increase in this, and they're doing it with needles now or something, they're just kind of injecting people or jabbing them with something and I heard of uh, spiking people's drinks with laxatives just to see some lad shit himself um, like so what, what's I'd, going on in your head or your I world know, that you need this in your life like yeah I just I can't sake. understand the man like just it's there's something you oh, I just I can't fathom it you know and, and you can say yeah. well you know Alan what do you think might be going on with someone like that I can't fucking tell you be I can't tell mm. you what's going on in someone's head that they, you know, this is what you need to do to get a woman into bed or to get a, get your laughs on a night out or whatever it may be. It's just like, mm. just, stop. Yeah, just well, stop. What's that going to do to the woman psychologically for the rest of her life? Well, it's rape. It's rape. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, she was conscious. She was conscious, but she was in no fit state to give, to give consent. Consent. Absolutely. Why would you do anything like that to another human being? Yeah. Yeah, that's why don't don't be asking me for answers on that one because I haven't got them for you. Yeah, just the one, just the one BR, the one big royal. Just don't be spiking people. Just don't don't be that person. Be be 
be better than that. Um, that's me. That's me, Royal. Me smile. Then uh, I went to cinema last week. Ron's gone wrong. Have you heard of it? Have you seen trailers for it for the kid? It sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, a kid gets a robot. Every every all the kids have a robot in school, and it you know takes selfies for them and uploads them and likes and comments and all this kind of thing. And then Ron gets on his family a bit poor, and he gets a broken one, and uh, the robot is messed up. Um, oh. But. Oh, it's a lovely film. It's a great film, but it's actually it's actually fantastic in terms of kids and social media now because there's the real popular girl and she's got all the followers when, her, when she does her live stream and, and then she goes viral. I won't ruin it for anyone. She goes viral for all the wrong reasons. And she's a nobody then. Like, and she's only known as, as this girl. Um, and... It's it's just a lovely film. It's a hard, lovely, lovely heartwarming film. Some good, some good laughs, and it's Zach Galifianakis mm. does the does the voice of Ron. Oh, very good of the of the robot, and um, yeah. But it was I thought it was brilliant in terms of conveying just social media in a in a kind of roundabout way. Not you know not saying to the kids don't be doing this, kids. You know, but you see the kid who, and then he's you know he's the bully and he does the pranks, and then when he doesn't have that, he's like he's nobody, mm. and then the, the other kid loses himself and playing video games. You know, because he doesn't have it, and um, it's just, it was great. It's a it's a lovely film. So if anyone if get a chance to bring the kids or an excuse to bring the kids, there's me, and I think it's a girl actually I knew was sitting just a couple of seats up in the same row, and the two of us were going, <laughs> we, were, we were laughing, <laughs> we were laughing more so than I think a lot of the kids, and I think she she got it as well. Uh, but it was it's right. a great film. So that you know, I used to come out of cinema and say to James like, oh I, that was lovely. I'd love a run. <laughs> I'd love a, <laughs> I'd love a little robot. It's like I said again to James, like, "Will you be my Ron? Will you be my little robot?" <laughs> ah. <laughs> so that's 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 me smile this week. Not nothing too major this week. Part the big royal and then then uh, an, an LS, a little a little smile this week. A little smile, yeah. But it's the little smiles mm. that make the big smiles. Uh, did you go to um, Newton Faulkner? I didn't go to Newton Faulkner. Ah, dude, what's I know, up? I know. I'd no one to go with, man. Did you not call yourself? No. Nah, I wouldn't go to a gig. I go to cinema. I go to theater. No problem, y'all. I was just like, um, didn't go to it. There was a mix-up. I thought Nicky was going. Turned out that day he wasn't going. There was just total cross wires between us and uh, tried a few other people. And uh, yeah, I was like, no, sorry, can't make another round. I was like, well, fuck that. And I was like, well, I paid for the tickets. I paid for the parking. I had to cancel. I had to rearrange clients because it was last minute when I noticed like, oh shit, that, that kick is on Tuesday. Mm. Um, so the loss of money from moving clients around some couldn't re- remake but um and then i was like well i can go to dublin i can stand there on my own take the time drive to dublin come home get home late be tired i was like nah fuck it cut your losses <laughs> just cut your oh, losses man, what a pity yeah. so i was supposed to go and see newton faulkner but i didn't see newton faulkner i've seen him twice before but i'm hoping to get to get to a gig sometime soon <laughs> Well, would that have been the first gig you've been at? Yeah, and, yeah. and oh, I think no. it was probably at one of the very last gigs as well because it was at Lewis Capaldi in the Tree Arena just as they were starting to lock down. Mm. Um, and it was, I think all concerts stopped pretty much that week or just soon after. So that would have been my first one back. But I am going, well, if the book, well, I suppose my upcoming smile would be, uh, I was talking to my mate Dave. So we had Dave Devine on her on the, the money episode, mm-hmm. straight talking money. And so myself and Dave are going to go and see Ireland play rugby in a couple of weeks up in the Aviva oh, good against Argentina. So I'll see what that's like. See what it's like to be in a stadium full of people and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see what post-COVID matches look like, as, as will you. 
mm-hmm. a few weeks time. Fingers crossed, mm-hmm. yeah. Would you go mm-hmm. to a game on your own? Like I'm going to the game on my own. I don't give a damn. I'm going to the game on my own. I probably would. I probably would go yeah. to the game on my own. Yeah, you get chatting to the people around you and all yeah, that. Yeah, anyways, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Can't really do that at a gig because the music's on and you know it's. Yeah, yeah. Yourself, so. Have a look when the music's on. You don't want anybody around you. To be honest, you well, want to true. you yeah, want to enjoy yeah. it and embrace it yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than being stuck behind somebody screaming the lyrics up at the <laughs> singer, and you're going, "I came here to hear him, not you. Yeah, Please not shut you. up." Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they're there for. They're to lose ourselves there in the music. Mm, yeah, mm. we'll agree to differ. <laughs> <laughs> So this week on the podcast, we are joined by Jim Crawford, or Gentleman Jim, as, as I like to think of him, because he is an absolute gent. Jim is the under-21s Ireland football manager. Jim, how are you doing this morning? How you doing, Adam? Peter, great to see you. Cheers, Likewise. Jim. Cheers for your time, by the way. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely no problem. Yeah. No problem. Not not as easy as just getting you on for a chat, Jim. We've You've protocols to go through. Yeah. Normally, normally we're, we're shy-talking over a beer in Portugal after... <laughs> well, after, I was going to say after playing shite golf, but you've normally played very good golf. And everyone's going, no, he no. needs a lower handicap. Bullshit, he hasn't played since last year. <laughs> but um, no, look, the closer we get to international windows, time is a premium. Mm, yeah. You know? So yeah. we're just prepared. And we, we meet up on Sunday and we've got two huge games against Italy and Sweden. So, you know, we're prepared and as a staff and look, the players go about their own business at the minute with their clubs. A lot of them were playing yesterday and they'll all play Saturday and some will play on the Sunday. So hopefully everybody comes through and we've got a, a clean bill of health mm-hmm. to, to prepare for Friday's game. I always think it's gas, Jim, because club managers look at it the other way around, don't they? I hope they come back from international duty with a clean bill of health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it. There's always sort of a it took a war between the players, and you know it's it can be difficult conversations with managers. You know, I've already had um, somebody getting on to me about one of their players is involved in an FA Cup game on Monday. Can he play mm. on Monday and then arrive at the camp? Um, which look, he missed three days training with us. And he's, he'd be a key player for us against yeah. Italy. So, you know, the, the answer is no. So I'm expecting uh, another conversation with that manager soon enough. Yeah, you know? tough going, all right, yeah. Who, who takes yeah. precedence over that then, Jim? I mean, is it country or club? I mean, the club are going, well, we're paying him. You know, mm. he's, he's yeah. you know, we, yeah. we kind of want the best out of him. But Yeah, well, there's international windows that it's set by UEFA and FIFA. So we, in essence, have control over the player for that so it's it's up to us but if we were to run a friendly outside the window the club have full control over the player and they could just say no he's not going in and we, we, we just have to accept that so mm. um, well, what's that like so for a player though Jim you know that you know they want to put on the green they want to put on the jersey for the country and then the club says no yeah look different players have different motivations some just you know they, they strive throughout their whole career to to stand underneath the, the Troy Colour and listen to Aron De mm-hmm. before kickoff, and other players are, are totally um, motivated by money and motivated by their club and the, the stigma and the popularity that, that comes from that. So everybody has different motivations, and, and I've, I've dealt with them all. You know, I've been involved in international football now roughly around 10 years, and I've seen those who would do anything to put on a green jersey and those who are more influenced by their club, you know. So it's uh, it's just something that I have to get used to um, when I'm dealing with new individuals, you know, what 
what are their motivations. Mm. You know? Before you got into the management side and the coaching side, Jim, you were you were a player. Can you tell us a little bit about your your own history on the field? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I started. I, I played with a, a schoolboy club Rangers for all my schoolboy career. I never chopped and changed, which is something that happens quite a lot now for schoolboy players. But mm. I just stayed with one team and, and went through the various age groups, and then eventually signed with a League of Ireland club um, at eighteen years old, Bohemians. And look, I played well and I attracted some uh, cross-channel interest and um, I had a, quite a few clubs that were interested. I went on trial to Aston Villa and then Newcastle were keen and I signed with, with Kevin Keegan's um, Black and White Army at the mm-hmm. time. I think it was around 1995 and, um, you know, and it was probably a good age for me to go over. I was about 20 years old at that time. And and it wasn't done by design, that's for sure, because I wanted to get over to the UK as quick as possible. Like all the high potential players at that age, about sixteen. But I I done my leaving cert. I done um, uh, a couple of years in in Kevin Street, um, with regards to electronics technicians course and what have you. But it it wasn't for me. I always wanted to be a footballer, and mm-hmm. I got the lucky break, as I say to join Kevin Keegan's um, Newcastle United back then. And it was a wonderful experience. That was, it really was. That was probably a team that was probably the best ever Newcastle team that I can remember. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, mounted yeah. a title challenge the following year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, That's right. Yeah. What, That's what was right. it like then being among players like uh, Alan Shearer, obviously, who was about to join the club? He joined, what, 96, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not too sure the the years, but yeah, look, when he came, one thing's for sure, there was pandemonium on the streets of, of Newcastle when he was coming, you know, because he was, you know, as everybody was saying, he was coming home. That's where he was He was born, um, uh, just down the road from where I stayed, down near Wall's End. But, um, you know, rubbing shoulders with the likes of Alan Shearer, um, Les Ferdinand, David Ginola, Peter Beardsley, yeah. like, you know, superstars. I think Festino Asprilia was there at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, Tino, yeah. yeah wow, what he's, a player. Um, yeah, yeah, what a character. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> abs- absolute madman. But, yeah. um, but a wonderful, wonderful talent. And, mm. But all these fellas had something in common. They, they had a great attitude, you know, and it's something that when I'm coaching younger players now and, you know, it's... I. You know, I wouldn't be saying it sort of to be anyway big-headed, but I, I did, you know, um, share the, the, the same changing rooms yeah. as these players. And I seen the way that they, they acted and it was their attitude. They were all, if you talk about talent with regards uh, grades, they were all A+. Plus, yeah. But the attitude matched, an mm-hmm. A-plus attitude, you know, and that's why um, they were sort of superstars in that particular era era and you know one, one thing that sort of stood out for me when I initially went over was through midterm and we'd have about 4,000, 5,000 people watching us train every day you know so wow. it was, it was nerve wracking going into training sessions <laughs> wow. as well because people just wanted to get you know up close and personal with with their idols yeah. but um, I was it was surreal you know there's no doubt about it and it was great to see the way Kevin Keegan managed, you know, he's a great man yeah. manager and and made everybody feel, you know, ten foot tall and and it's it's you know it's just something that I learned to take forward 
with me as a as a manager. And and then Kenny Kenny Daglish came in, mm. and uh, an equally um, yeah, legend with regards to game mm. as, as a player and a manager. And another humble man, you know, unbelievable knowledge. His interpersonal skills, you know, were were second to none. His his soft skills, so to speak, and and. And again, you you take all these bits and pieces from certain managers and you hope that you could put them in your own toolbox and and use them going forward, Mm. you know. What was it like, Jim, when you went over initially? Was it kind of scary to see these guys in action and go, am I going to get in this team? Or did you kind of go into training and go, I'm just as good? Um, I tell you what, it, it was, as I said, it was surreal because, you know, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm looking at match of the day, and I'm looking at these players mm. um, playing. And and look, I would have been a football nerd growing up, like like everybody. You know, you have that passion mm. where you're buying shoot magazines, and yeah, yeah, match magazines, and and you're looking at them, um, uh, reading about them, and then all of a sudden, I'm I'm doing a warm up with them, and I'll never forget it. I'm, I was doing the uh, we we were jogging around a certain area, and I'm looking around, looking at Peter Beardsley. Um, Rob Lee um, and, and saying to myself just have to pinch myself here you know but it was great and they made you feel welcome yeah. you know and you know that was uh, that, that was hugely important and the local lads in particular Lee Clark Steve Watson who were around my age were very good to me as well so it, it's just something you'd never forget but um, out of all of them I think Peter Beardsley was um you know, probably the most down to earth and what have you. And, you know, I remember one day I, I just took a, a bag of balls with me after training to do an extra bit. And he came out with me and was, was coaching me and guiding me. And wow. there are little things that if yeah. you ask him now, he'd, 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 he'd never remember it, but mm. they, they certainly stick out with me. You know? oh, that's what amazing. age were you at the time then, Jim? I was 20. Wow. I was 20 at the time. And, <clears throat> you know, it's... um. I think it's a good age to go over and, and I had a foundation of, you know, getting my education done. Mm. I had the foundation of playing men's football with Bohemians in big games. So I had that with me and, and I look back and I always say to myself, just what would I have been like if I went over when I was, you know, signed with a club when I was 16? Yeah. Because it's not easy, you know, and mm. for me as 20, a 20 year, 20 year old, you know, you, I got homesick. Um, through those times of sort of adversity as a footballer when you're when you're not playing so yeah. well it can be tough and I can only imagine what it's like for a typical 16 year old who, who's gone over to England in, in that you know uh, new environment to them yeah. away from their parents it can be a real challenge you know? you know there's the famous story about George Best as well who he went over to Manchester United at 15 but he he left and went home because he was homesick yeah. you know imagine not having a talent like George Best in football you know but that's all down to loneliness and loneliness is a uh, part of our mental health we need to mind so it is tough for younger people to go over there leave their family these these are children these are not adults yeah you know so they need yeah. to be they need to be minded properly so is it is it something that's more common uh, years ago jim as opposed to now because like i remember going over uh, i played a tournament over in liverpool when i was 11 and i played under 14s but i remember we brought this guy over i won't mention his name but uh we 
we only met him on the bus on the way up and he was he was 15. He really shouldn't have been there, but he had a chance to go over, you know. Yeah. But uh, we brought him over to the tournament and I remember seeing this guy in action, very quiet guy, and he took out Predator football boots at the time. Now, this is 96. Oh. <laughs> no, 97, sorry. sorry. And I remember looking, at this guy must be decent because Predator boots were in champion yeah. sports in a cage where nobody could nick up very high where you couldn't reach the meter right. and right. uh i remember seeing him in training and thinking this guy is amazing how am i supposed to compete with this guy i'm 11 he's 15 this dude is a man yeah. he's cracking yeah. free kicks from 25 30 yards out if he's not hitting the net he's smacking it off the crossbar but he was a big liverpool fan and was one of the games I remember all the scouts were at the sideline watching was United, Liverpool, Everton, Swansea were there as well. And because we had the Swansea coach with us uh, at the time, but he was signed by Man United. I remember looking at the local newspaper a few weeks later and he, he was there with Alex Ferguson and I was going, my God, <laughs> I used to yeah. know that guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah. he didn't make it in the end. He was released by United, left, joined another club. He um, didn't make it at that club, came home, played League of Ireland. But how difficult is that for anybody to deal with, you know, to come back after this adventure and be an adult, you know, going over at 15, coming back maybe at 21, 22, having to um, try and qualify at something, you know, somebody who wouldn't have finished school or anything. How difficult is that to, to deal with? Yeah, it's it can be really difficult, you know, and, and if you look at, your sort of, you know, formative years as a as a young footballer. It's your talent mm. that that gets you to these places. There's no doubt about it. But people seem to forget the the mental side, yeah. you know. And and it's your environment, parents, key people in your lives, your school that that shapes you. And unfortunately, with a lot of these players who are, you know, ex- have extreme talent when they're 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 before they go to England. You know, there's a lot of pressure put on these kids, yeah, yeah. you know, and more so now than ever with social media, because look, yeah. I know players who are over in England at the minute that there was, you know, a hell of a lot said about these players that they're going to be the next, um, you know, such and such player yeah. or, or this player or that player. And that itself lends a lot of pressure and anxieties to, to those yeah, players. Yeah. So they think, you know, and, and we were all, as soon as we were first able to kick a ball, what, what we wanted to do, as I said earlier, you either want to play for your country, you want to play with Manchester United and Liverpool. And when that doesn't happen, you know, it's, you know, you do feel like a failure. Mm. You know, I've, I've, I've speaking to players and coming home, on that boat coming home or that flight coming home, you think that's it, I'm, I'm letting people down, I let myself down, I'm not good enough. And it can be really hard to dig yourself out of that abyss, you know, and if you don't have that sort of strong um, support structure at home, it, it, it can be difficult in a lonely place, but people oh, need true. to realise that a very, very small percentage of footballers go and become professionals, yeah. you know, and and even smaller amounts of, of footballers get that second or tour contract, you know, mm. so it's a... It's an unbelievable industri- industry to, to break into. And somebody said to me there recently that, would you send your child on a college course if only less than 1% will go on and become a, a successful, uh, whether, point, whatever it yeah. is, an accountant? Mm. You know, so mm. it's, it's ruthless. Um, you certainly need to be thick-skinned, but not everybody is yeah. because of those formative years that, 
you've got parents, whether they understand it or not, are saying to their children, oh, you, you know, you're going to become a professional footballer. And, and then that child ends up with probably a fixed mindset that, yeah, I'm going to be a professional yeah. footballer. Yeah. But when they start getting those challenges, when they go over to the UK, they don't have that sort of open mindset of, I need to do better here. I need to work on this aspect of my game or that aspect of my game and to overcome challenges and to 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 stay in the UK. Mm. But it's there's a whole host of variables, that's for sure. What would you recommend, Jim, to to anybody who's um a young, talented, maybe 14, 15 year old footballer? Would you say stay with your club, play here and maybe wait till you're 18, 19, 20, then go to the UK, or would you say as young as you can, get over there? See, I don't think there's any one-size-fits-all type of answer to, you know, because it, you look at the likes of, you know, Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, there was no big issues to them. You know, all the the arrows are pointing in the right direction in terms of, yeah, they can they can um, um, withstand the, the homesickness. Um, you know, they were probably made exceptionally welcome or, or felt yeah. um, made feel welcome with the clubs that they went to. And they played first team football quite quickly over there, you know, which is which is all a big help. But certainly, some individuals that I do see going over or have gone over at sixteen, I would be asking certain questions to say, you know, what I think that player is ready mentally to go over at sixteen. His parents certainly thinks he does. His, his agents, believe it or not, nowadays children agents. have have agents no at that way. age. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So. Right. So there's that, you know, added pressure on the child who probably, you know, the, the kids are young and they yeah. don't really understand themselves at that particular age. But they, you know, they just want to follow the dream. And I wouldn't say they're ready. And so I'm not going to say that there's a, you know, one answer to all of them because I think everybody's mm. different. But for me, there certainly wasn't a design to my way where I done my leaving cert and I went and I played in League of Ireland but it certainly helped me yeah to um um to make that transition from playing football over here to the UK. What's it like though Jim? You know you as you say you all, we all start out we're playing soccer and you're like you know you pick your favourite player and that's who you are and that desire whether to play for your biggest club or your biggest you know your country whatever it may be. But then you get the call and now you're getting paid to play the thing, to play the thing that you love. What, what What's that like to, to move into that goal of go, okay, wow, now I'm getting paid. And then where do I go with that then? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I was only, look, I won't be um, behind the doors and saying it, but I think I was only on about 70 um, pound a week at, at Bohemians. And, you know, look, I was happy. I was happy. I was playing every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was loving playing um, with Bohemians. We played in some big games. You know, the manager took a real shine to me, Torlock O'Connor, um, a fantastic manager and a great man. And I, I was just loving life. You know, I, I really was. I was loving um, playing for Bohemians. And then all of a sudden, as I said, already Newcastle were interested. And, you know, then they started talking about um, contracts and it was a three-year contract that I signed, which was on... Um, serious money um, for me back then you know it was it was um, you know something that I was, I was 
like in shock really with with the the amount of um, numbers that were thrown at me. But I was excited, and I knew that you know what, Jim, you're you're um, you're heading into the big time now in the UK with with um, you know a club like Newcastle United who were you know they really were on a crest of a wave, mm. you know, and then mm. you get over there and you know it's it's you become recognized when you're walking around the place as the the new kid on the block and you know a, a new sign in with the club and and probably then you know it, it wasn't too far along into Newcastle where you know I had an unbelievable attitude to get over there to the UK like it was it was relentless you know I done everything I could to be to put me in the best possible um, shape uh, to get a move to England and then when I got over there I probably took my foot off the pedal if I'm being honest with myself that um, you know and you know, I realise now how much work you know it's easy getting over there but to stay in the mm-hmm. building yeah, is yeah. it's you know you, you've you've got up your game again and, and look I didn't and you know was it the money no I, I don't think so um, you know I just felt that, you know, they say don't have any regrets in life. And look, I, I have very few, but I probably say to myself, did I take my foot off the pedal? And if I'm honest, I would have said just, yeah, slightly compared to what I was like when I was playing with Bohemians. With that ambition, that goal, that dream to get over to the UK. Is that a common thing, though, with uh, young players, Jim? Because I remember... Um reading an interview with the former Man United reserves manager. I can't remember his name at this stage, but he kind of singled out a few players like uh, Luke Shaw, Jesse Lingard and that. Tom Cleverley was another one. Once they made the first team, they kind of sat back and went, that's okay. Instead of saying, I need to bring this up another level. Is it a common thing among young players that this is our goal, but we're not thinking beyond that goal? Yeah, and I think in order to become, you know, a a regular in any top, top team, you need to have that sort of bulletproof mindset of, mm. you know what, uh, I'm going to get better. You know, I have to get better to stay mm. here. And, and there will be the likes of certain players that had an unbelievable desire and attitude to get there. And maybe subconsciously they said, you know what, I achieved what I wanted to achieve. And then all yeah. of a sudden, as I said earlier on, they um, um, become a little bit complacent. And, mm. you know, football, it's ruthless. Uh, there's a lot more players with, you know, equal talent as you, but with that A plus attitude that will leapfrog you in your own position. And before you know it, you're you're at the exit door of um, of a football club. Yeah. Um, What's it like then, Jim, to be over there and you know to be transferred or you know any of us can do a job and, and we're and we're fine. You know, if we do a good job, we do a bad job. No one really knows about it. But you know, over there where. You've not only just got the people in the stadium that goes, well, that was shit. You know, you you missed that. You missed a sitter. You know, all of your mistakes are there. And particularly now, you you know, you go viral now. But if you made a mistake, it was whoever was in the stadium or whoever just happened to yeah. be recording that match that it got played back. But now it's an entirely different experience where the world looks on and you've got so much more pressure to perform, to be coached, to be how to speak to the media. You know, it's not just a case of, right, put on your boots, train hard, go out there, play play the best you can. It's it's an entirely different beast now yeah, than, w- without than a when doubt, you stepped on Without a, a doubt, you know, and, and 
look, speaking from a um, mm. um, from a, a coach's perspective, we're all obsessed with the with the X's and the O's. That's the the tactical side, the technical side, um, the physical side, making sure your players are fit. But one thing that underpins all that is the mental side of the game, where you know, do you understand your players' doubts, fears, anxieties, distractions? And all I can say is, from a coach's perspective, is that why do we not sort of sort of touch more on that side? Is because of um, a lack of knowledge, really. You know, it's probably um, you know sort of a fear factor of of delving into that with with players. But you know, I, I've learned over the last number of years to you know, um, it's mm-hmm. it's really about you know connecting as best you can with the player, and if the player is open enough to talk to you, great. Um, if not, it's it's still about you know forming those um, relationships with the player that maybe one day he might mm. talk to you about um, an anxiety or what have you. And mm. back then, as you said, Alan, in the day where you know uh, things were recorded, shown once, maybe on match of the day or, or whatever program. Now all of a sudden. Mistakes are highlighted. They're shown mm. on social media, whether it's through Twitter or or whatever platform it is, yeah. and, and it can They're be up di- there forever. Yeah, yeah, and, mm. and it can be really difficult with players, you know. And then you've got people, you know, the well-renowned keyboard warriors who really know nothing about the game, but mm-hmm. will um, generate um, uh, all sorts of negativity towards players now, you know. So it's. Uh, it's just something that I think, speaking personally as a coach, something that um, I'm, I'm certainly looking to improve, you know, to be there for players if needed. Mm. Uh, Jim, you can probably tell at this stage, I'm a Manchester United nut altogether. But I'm going to reference another Manchester United player. Actually, I won't <laughs> mention his name because I heard of... But what you don't see, Jim, is he's actually moved... It seems to have moved out of the shot of his right. United jersey right. hanging up in the background. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. It's my, yeah. my yeah, retro yeah, 92, 93. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> but I, I remember hearing from a very reliable source that there was a young Man United player doing very well under Louis van Gaal, actually, and started to suffer panic attacks and anxiety attacks it's not something we've heard of before is players suffering from anxiety going out onto a football pitch you know as alan said you go out there's 50 70 000 people in the stadium but realistically there's millions of people is it something we we can look to help players with you know the fact that this is a bigger stage than ever is there a way of preparing them for that yeah i think um more and more clubs are are moving you know to my understanding in the uk towards um, um sports psychiatrists you know and and really what their role would be is to take you know players from that that treadmill of life of, of being a footballer and, and sort of giving them a bird's eye view of okay here's your your current story you know can we change the narrative and um, and what do you need to work on is it your anxieties of playing you know in front of big crowds and um, you know is it and um, you know another aspect of of your character that needs to be strengthened up or, or worked on you know so i think s- sports psychiatrists now are are um, playing more of a, of a of a role with young players because again you know players now young kids now are on big big money you know and yeah th- that can 
you know, sway them away from, um, you know, their, their objective of, of getting into the first team so easy. So, you know, certain players might need some help there. Um, but I know that, you know, talking to a sports psychiatrist before, probably the most productive conversations that you had would be on the corridor in the building of a, of a training ground. It wouldn't be them knocking on the door. It's just, you know, general passing, how you doing? And and they, they, they get more from right, that okay. than, than anything else because I don't know, because I haven't been around a, a club in the UK, but is there that stigma that if you're hanging outside the door of the sports psych off, look, look at this person, he, he, he must be struggling, you know? So I, I don't know about mm. that, but I do know that I wish they were certainly around when I was playing. Because, um, you know, you always have these sort of moments where, you know, mm. even back then, like, there was no agents when I was playing. Um, you know, my family, this was all new to my family, me going over to the UK. So um, there wasn't too many people like to bounce off. But, you know, maybe that, you know, to lend that friendly ear and that advice that they can take you and, and, and reshape your thinking with regards to your, your career path. But, uh, but... I think certainly going forward, there's there's room for sports psychiatrists, you know, because there's far more to deal with than ever before. Funny enough, you mentioned there, reshape your thinking, Jim. Um, I've often wondered, when you look at the likes of you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, and people say they're, they're relentless in their training, like their breakfast is like training, their lunch is like training, you know what I mean? This desire, this desire to win this will to win determination to win is that something you can teach somebody or does it have to be inbuilt um i, I think t- t- there's a little bit of both i think you can teach and it you know there's there's probably you know as i said before you're you're born with that inbuilt um, stubbornness to make sure you can be the best that you can be but certainly you can be taught it you know and it's about becoming the best version of yourself every day and that's something that you know, the likes of Ronaldo would be quite strong with because, you know, my assistant, John O'Shea, I'd have conversations with him about Ronaldo and he's just said, like, he's always, always, whether it's he's eating, exercise, always trying to be the best version of himself every day. And, you know, it's a fantastic A-plus attitude, what we spoke about before, you know. So I think people would see that now because I've read a couple of articles when he stepped into the dressing room there recently, like he's 36 years old and he's, you know, he's still chiseled and still eating well. The younger players are looking at his, his plate of food that he's picking up in the canteen and they've changed, you know what I mean? So that's the impact that somebody like him can have on young players, you know, but ultimately it's, you know, you as a individual choose your attitude every day and, and it's, it's, up to you to choose what you do each day, you know, but you can be influenced. And the likes of Ronaldo in the building at Manchester United would be really good for those young players. You mentioned John O'Shea, Jim. Um, You know, John O'Shea probably equally has that determination to win as well and that desire because he's in the the category of the, you know, the Gary Nevilles, the Darren Fletchers, the the Nicky Butts. They were never going to be world-class players, but their attitude to work was always world-class. Their determination to win was always world-class. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And John, look, working with John now, and I know there's a lot of transferable skills from being a player to a coach or a manager and John certainly has that with regards to his work ethic and and you can see why 
he had become a top player. And yeah, he had the talent, what we spoke about before, but it's the attitude that he has, you know, he, he lives his life right. He, he prepares, mm. whether it's a training session or a team meeting, he prepares right. And that just gives me sort of a snapshot of how he conducted his life as a, as a player, you know, and, uh, uh, but, but remember it's, it's John, he's surrounded by the likes of Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs, you know, all these lads were top, top players when they got to 35, yeah. 36, which at that level, it's, you know, that's uh, phenomenal. And, you know, a good group who yeah. drove each other on and, and top, top professionals. So, um, I think John's certainly, by the looks of things right now, that he, he could have an equally um, fantastic career as a coach or a manager. Brilliant. One of the things that struck me as you were talking earlier, Jim, was you mentioned, and, and you kind of specifically mentioned kind of Robbie Keane, Damien Duff, and you said maybe, you know, maybe they were felt made to feel more welcome by the club. You know, I think that plays a huge part, that support, that, that thing that makes any of us good, you know, when we feel supported, when we feel appreciated and we're, and we're taken into the fold that that can make a huge difference for a player I'm not, everyone knows you know me Jim I'm not I'm not the I'm not the soccer guy I'm not the football guy you're a golfer but I'd watch I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you're yeah, just yeah. A, you're there just you a top class golfer but, that's all I know you as <laughs> no I'm definitely not <laughs> not a bad psychotherapist but, but, but I was a good actor not a bad psychotherapist but uh, I'd watch a documentary on anything you know, I, I love a documentary and I watch, you know, I was talking to P about the Premier League documentary that BBC did recently, watched a good few documentaries on Fergie. And one of the things that struck me with Fergie was he seems to, he seemed to be this father figure to each of the players. And, you know, whether it's a manager in sport, whether it's a manager in a factory down the road, I think any good manager knows what that person needs. You know, sometimes you need to kick up the arse, sometimes you need a you need an arm around the shoulder to get the best out of a player. I remember on that Premier League documentary, you know, I think it were happening like Giggs yeah. was saying, like Fergie come in and go fucking do up your closure button, closure top button, and and then Canton comes yeah. in and goes, yeah, wear whatever you want, fucking do whatever you want there. He he knew what was needed, and and I'm just sort of wondering in terms of nearly nearly like a family kind of system of the support that you can put in place for a young player or a good manager that knows, okay, maybe I need to be this kind of father figure to this young lad you know be this kind of mentor be the be what he needs do you take any of that is that a conscious thing that comes with the job for yourself or is it something you know you need to work on is it just something that you've taken from your own experience of going well you know maybe what i needed was kind of an arm around the shoulder here and go look fucking head up let's let's work on this aspect of the game or because it's not just go okay you play there you play there and you hang back yeah you know that's that's not what a manager Um, is no, a manager, look, you know, for me, a manager is, um, you know, basically it's about, you know, communicating with players, developing relationships to drive results. You know, that's, that's what a manager does. And, and you, know, the, you know, his playing staff is huge for him. And if you're not or can't get the players to play for you, you're in big trouble, you know, because results won't uh, won't happen. They won't improve, and and you lose your job. So you know, managing players is is essential, you know. And it goes back to what I was saying: which players, you know, are the ones that you put an arm around? Which are the ones that you get away with uh, giving a kick up the backside? But also, you have to 
you know, try to pull down the shutters of players because that's what players are when they first come in to meet you. They're, they're guarded and it's up to you to chip away at them and, and find out first what motivates them and to try to get a level playing field mm. that their motivations are in line with your motivations and in line with the club's or your country's motivations of what you want to do, you know. So it's, it's trying to align all that together is a challenge of a coach, you know. So, yeah, there's players that you can um, um, have a go at and there's others you don't, but you have to find a way of trying to get that message to everybody. And it's important. And, and look, what we do now with, with the 21s is, you know, we, we sort of have, you could call it a, um, a teamship where we come in and on our very first day, we set out the values and behaviours and they set them. We don't. We, we just stand back as a staff and say, okay, you know, how you know, does a high-performance athlete or how does an Irish under-21 behave on the pitch, off the pitch? You know, what's your values? What, what's going to get us over the line here as an under-21s group? And so it becomes an unwritten contract, really, you know. So um, you can they become accountable and you can always reference what they said um, in that meeting, you know. So it's it's I, I find it a good way. But as well as that, you you as a coach, you've got to understand you're dealing with um, the sort of Generation Zs now, you know, which are, you know, they're they're all about technology. You know, they want answers yesterday. You know, they, they, they certainly haven't got patience for that. So mm. you then have got to sort of mould yourself into a coach that can work with these uh, type of players. You know, it's not like it was years ago when I was growing up where, you know, no matter who you were, if you needed that arm around your your shoulder you weren't going to get it because that was the age we were in you know now all of a sudden it's you're dealing with players who probably don't even have that lack of eye contact because of of FaceTime and and the voices and what have you you know so um it's important that you as a coach sort of always try to become the best that you possibly can and, and what type of group you're dealing with you know and and eventually you'll get there okay who can who can deal with a relic and who do I need to call aside mm. to a tactics board and ask him, can you go through a, a various pattern of play that um, we've been working on that didn't work in the game, you know? So um, there's a, many different sort of um, variables to being a coach nowadays. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember Alex Ferguson saying before that um, nowadays you're dealing with kids who are millionaires. Yeah, you know it's a very difficult thing to deal with. You know, you can imagine it's, being uh, eighteen, nineteen years of age as a millionaire. You yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. So it's it's a very difficult thing. Yeah, my first experience as a an assistant coach with the international teams, I went in with Paul Doolan, and he was the under nineteens manager, and um, you know a fantastic manager. But you know, one player I certainly won't mention him was pointed out to me that he's on ten grand a week as an eighteen year old. Wow. You know, and that's a that's you know, something, you know, that can really distract the player, you know, and yeah. it was a concern, you know, and yeah, he was a talented player, but it's, um, you know, I had the same reaction when I found out what he was on as well, Alan, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, no, but when you think, you know, and I suppose everyone goes, oh, these fucking footballers, all they're doing is they're kicking a inflated bit of leather around and they're all on this 10 grand a week for a kid and, you know, peep that takes some people four months, five months to earn and, but you've got a short shelf life. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, you've got the eyes of the world. Every mistake you make is analysed. Look back in your day, unless there was some paparazzi outside that caught you locked drunk falling out of a nightclub and yeah. you ended up on the back page. That was it. That was that was the only yeah. chance to be yeah. negatively viewed. Now everyone has a camera. Mm-hmm. Every All the pressure. Literally the eyes of the world are on you. Yeah. And then... You know, you you get injured. I mean, you you had your own injuries. I've I've seen you walking down a fairway. You walk like you walk like John Wayne <laughs> sitting on a horse. <laughs> and I, I remember saying to Brendan, I was like, is, "Is that the way Jim walks? Is not? Is that so many fucking surgeries and so many injuries?" No. You know, yeah. it's 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 a short self life to go with the literally the weight of the world and the eyes of the world on you. And yeah, you make all this money, but everything you know, one mistake, you're gone. You're dumped, and you're. It's all over the world. That yeah, you're not good enough. You've been kicked out. You know, we don't want you to go back to. Yeah, it's 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 there for life, and I know players are made aware of it. You know, because there's been, you know, when when I was the head coach of the under 18s when they were you know 16, 17 years old coming into you, we'd have sort of a media presentation for them when they come in with regards social media, stay off it, and you know, and while you're in camp. But I do know that clubs have the very same thing, the the, um, uh, the, the negative impact social media can have by writing something totally stupid and it's mm-hmm. there for life, you know. Mm-hmm. But with regards, you know, um, falling out of a nightclub, you know, they're the responsibilities that you're, you're told about saying you're, you're representing the club now, so you need to think long and hard about it. Um, sometimes when you're a super talented player, you might get, you know, a couple of lives at it. You know what I mean? Club might say, okay, that doesn't happen again. But if you're not so talented, they might make uh, an example of you and say that's yeah. that doesn't happen here at this club. You know, so good luck. You know, but again, look, players when they come into this environment, they understand the the do's and don'ts. You know, and and look, I do know, as I said it earlier on, the distractions. You know, they're they're. They're all under a microscope when you become a professional footballer, but particularly with the bigger clubs, you know. Jim, obviously with your your under twenty one crowd, you've got a mix. You've got um, you know guys that play in Ireland, England. I think you've won a played in Spain as well. Yeah, yeah. Will they all make it as professional footballers at this stage for life? Do they have a career in football? The thing about development, it's not linear, you know. So I can't say that. He's a great player now. He's going to be an unbelievable player in, in two years' yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And you have to weigh in. You know, we spoke about all the arrows pointed in the right direction. If somebody's doing well with their club now, their manager gets sacked, somebody comes in, doesn't like you, your face doesn't fit, wants you to move on, you can't get a club, you end up in the lower leagues, you mm-hmm. end up falling out of love with football. You know, all these things can happen, you know. So never be surprised what's around the corner for you in football and certainly the, the group of players we have now I would just sort of you know label them as high potentials you know and all we can do is guide them point them in the right direction and always refer them back to that attitude you know because they've got the talent there's no doubt about it but you can't um, fall short in that attitude that A plus attitude that these People like John O'Shea, Ronaldo, Roy Keane, um, all these um, top, top players have, you know, and and really it's up to them because they've got to choose 
uh, their attitude every day they get up they you can either get out of bed feeling like a victim or you can get out of bed saying you know what i'm gonna attack i'm gonna attack today today and do all the right things you know so um the group i have high potentials um you know some really good players you know with gavin kilkenny connor coventry will smallbone who's you know you talk about learning through time through times of adversity he'd done his acl and i'm sure he'd, he'd plenty of time to to reflect of where he's going in his career and, and he'd done it against leicester city in a match and um, i was sat at home watching him and and i knew it was serious and i got in touch with him a couple of days later and you know lo and behold it was an acl injury but he's back playing now and shows the character of the man mm. and another one with you know unbelievable potential but all we can do is just keep pointing them in the right direction isn't it amazing with an acl 20 years ago your career was possibly gone yeah. now you're out yeah. for six months yeah yeah you're right and i think i think noel quinn had one and people were writing him off mm-hmm. when he got it but he was able to you know again showing that desire determination attitude to get back but and that was back in the the 90s i think when that yeah. happened to him mm-hmm. you know so and um, yeah it was a career threatening injury back then but as you say six months and then um, for the likes of will smallbone he's back training with the with the force team and and hopefully sooner rather than later he's back playing every week with uh with southampton jim you've, you've moved from player you moved to coach you moved to manager what what's it like for yourself you know you're you're the manager of the under 21s for ireland you're kind of i suppose you're kind of looked as the lad that brings in brings through these players gives them the potential to you know reach the senior team or whatever it may be you know even the, the change in life of even you know popping the text go jump on the podcast yeah no problem that's no worries now we sorted out and then it's like well there's protocols we got to go through the fai you know there's Think things have changed for you, and what what's it like for you then? In terms of you know, you're dealing with the media, you're dealing with keyboard warriors, you're, you're dealing with all of that. What what what's that like for yourself in terms of um, being being in that position and representing the country? Well, look, I'm not on social media, so I think that's an mm. advantage for me that I've never mm. been on it and then went off it. So I don't, I don't know what it's like to miss whether it's Facebook, uh, Twitter, did I do it on purpose? I didn't really. I just, I'd never mm. had any interest in IT and I'm sort of glad now that I'm not on it. But um, with regards to media and what have you, it's, look, it, it's never really bothered me, you know. Um, I've, I've, I've had pieces of media when I was a player and when I was with the under-18s, it would have been, um, um, you know, the, the odd time I used to do a little bit. But with the 21s, it's certainly a lot more. Um, I know the responsibility of the role. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm passionate about um, Irish football. I'm passionate about player development. So I've got nothing to hide to the media. You know, it's it's not like I'm going and uh, dodging and weaving any type of questions. I just say how I feel at that particular time. And um, yes, there's protocols with the FEI and, and I sort of learned the hard way. I was only in the role and i done an interview and um, I got a phone call to say look this is what we've got to do going forward and I understand and appreciate why because um, things could spiral out of control if um, mm. if you're not guided and what have you so yeah it's, it's changed a little bit and when it comes to the games there's a massive focus on your team uh, your staff 
and really it's up to us to make sure that um, we work as hard as we can to make the players perform like we've only got a four day lead in against Italy so it's you know there's a lot of planning um, that we've got to do to make sure um, everybody is right and unfortunately in football the result is out of your control you know decisions are out of your control you know um, and you just got to live and, and, and die by those decisions you know that are made against you or um, or what have you but look I'm loving it it's it's I'm in the under 21 space at the minute and I want to become as as good as I can because I do believe coach development is player development and it just goes back to my why why am I in the business why, why do I coach and it's just to help players to get to the senior team and and you know although I would have played an exceptionally small part in some of the players who went up to the senior team myself and the staff are happy that we had the likes of um, Jason and I Troy parted with us you know albeit a short time but there's seven current under 21s players that are with the senior team and we we deem that as a huge success and long may it continue um, you say why there Jim sometimes I look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and I think to myself why would anyone be a manager yeah not doubting his ability and like the pressures he does be under you know, and the abuse he gets online and, you know, the headlines, they're picking every word apart and, you know, oh, Solskjaer is on the, the verge of losing his job. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Like, it must be a full-time job, you know, in the sense that there must be no time to do anything else if you're managing a top club. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've no doubt about it. I'm, I'm with the under-21s international teams and that's low level compared to where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is and... I think about it seven days a week and mm. um, find it hard to to drop out, you know, and and, and get on with certain things. I'm even, um, you know, going shopping or, or doing, you know, menial tasks around the house and I'm still thinking, okay, how's this player getting on and what have you. So yeah. God only knows what, you know, a club manager where they're playing week in, week out and uh, goes through and, and particularly when, there's a little bit of pressure on you, but you know, speaking to John, John speaks very highly of Ole. Um, you know, his why is he's he's got a passion for for managing, for developing players for Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So that's that why in itself, that passion in itself gets you through these difficult times, you know. Now look, whoever makes the decisions on the manager's stays or or, or not, that's out of your control. All you can do is keep doing your best while you're in that role, and I'm sure Ollie is. There's no question about it. And it's the same myself. You know, it's it's you know sometimes things are just out of your control. But all you can do is become the best version of yourself every day when you get out of bed. You know, how can I be better than what it was yesterday? And that's the thing that drives me on, and I'm sure it drives um, managers at top clubs too. And what does the future look like, Jim? The future in yeah. regards your ambitions. Um, as I said, I'm in the under-21 space now, so I want to become um, the best possible coach I can. And, and look, I brought things with the staff, and the staff have been excellent with me in terms of how can we get better. Like We record all our training sessions. We microphone ourselves up to make sure that the level of questions that we ask the players is, is right, the, the level of information at this level is right. We review um, our training sessions. So... You know, I want to become an expert um, with the 21s. And that's that's really me. And, and probably it's a boring answer, but 
Um, I'm just loving it's it the at the twenty ones. Of the job, yeah. yeah. I'm just loving it at the twenty ones. You know. Wow. And you, you so microphone yourself having that. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say you might. Get, and, it's not just selling ads. Go right, run laps there, and yeah. uh, no. wow, a couple of drills. Yeah, and it's look. It can be difficult listening back to your voice um, over training, you know. But but sometimes, you know, you, you've got to reflect on your training sessions. You've got to wow. You've got to become the best possible coach you can at this level, you know. And, and that's something that I've said to the staff. We send out their own sessions to uh, to have a look at and and question themselves. So. You know, and if, if the players see the staff, you know, like that, trying to develop themselves, you know, hopefully that rubs off and, and players say, you know yeah. what, look, this is what we got to do if we want to reach the top. Wow. Lead by example. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. You often see players with, their, you know, the GPS vest and the technology that can tell you whether they're pushing themselves as hard as they should. But do you think we get wrapped up too much in stats? Because I have heard before that there's players who will play very very simple passes back and forth to kind of up their stats so they're not cornered on it when they come in to be told no you're not passing enough your accuracy is down there isn't enough true balls here you know what i mean do we get caught up in stats too much yeah some people do i've no doubt about it like because people will put on their their own social media pages i believe that you know pass completion 98 percent but mm. You know, the majority two of your passes, passes went sideways <laughs> or backwards. Yeah, exactly. Or two yeah, passes, yeah. You know, so really, the the best thing to do is okay. You know, as a head coach, you take on board all those stats, but you you watch the game yourself. Mm-hmm. We can get games broken down that we can watch. You know, if Alan Clark is playing, we can just watch all his actions in that <laughs> ninety minute game. You if you watch me on the fucking bench, <laughs> that's what you be watching. <laughs> So, is he fucking yeah. throwing a strap because I won't play him? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> we, <laughs> the score beat yeah, looking we, in there. We, we were thinking about making you up for the next golf trip as well, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Jim, the, the thing that struck me is I don't think there's any greater impact on your mental health than having to listen to Dom to Dom badger right. you about yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> it's like, will you leave him alone? Yeah, Just no. let him have a point, will you? <laughs> he, he's one that I'd like to take the batteries out of the microphone when he's there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Dom's a great fella. Dom's a great fella. You know? But um, uh, thanks, man, for um, your own time and inviting me on. And, and uh, thank you, Jim. Um, that was thank fantastic. You, if if we uh, luck with the upcoming games. yeah, if we win them, I'll demand to be on your your podcast before every window, you know, because I'm quite superstitious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, we so. can be your lucky a good football yeah, superstition. Yeah. Lovely. That's it. Listen, thanks, me and guys, Jim. Thanks thank so much. Jim, thank you. Thanks for all your time. So that was straight talking mental health in football. Huge thank you to under 21s Ireland manager Jim Crawford for giving us his time and being so open with his stories and his. I think you know if you listen to Jim. He's a good guy, and I think he sounds like the kind of guy that'll get a lot from those players. He really knows how to how to motivate people. So a huge thank you to Jim and the FAI for facilitating that for us. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that. You can hit us up on all the social media. Well, all the social media, I mean Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Instagram or Facebook, you get a straight talking mental health. You want to hit us up on Twitter, STMH Podcast. Check us out on Spotify or iTunes. If you do listen to us on iTunes, if you get your podcast from there, please do leave a five-star review. If you feel the episode or the or the podcast warrants us, we'd really appreciate that. We are that now currently you. very big in Zimbabwe. So fair play oh, to everybody back. in Zimbabwe. Yeah. <laughs> Thank thanks, you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, everyone in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Good, good to, nice to have you along. And we're, yeah. and we're happy to... 
we're happy to reach us over there absolutely if you want to hit us up do so email us check out the website stmhpodcast.com if you've got feedback if you'd like to come on and be a guest if you've got a story to share if you've got some feedback for us Hit us up on the email, hello at stmhpodcast. Big shout out to Fiona Bryan for the music. He's going to hit you up with the music on here at the end. He does the bit at the start there as well. Amazing producer, amazing beat maker. He's got everything you need, whatever your needs are. Musically, he's the man for you. You can check him out at FOB Beats on Facebook. As always, we leave the last word with our guests. We're going to throw over to Jim. But before that, look after yourselves, folks, and look after each other. Jim, any guest that comes on, what we'd all normally ask them to do was to maybe share some words of wisdom, some life learnings, something that they've, they've taken from life that they'd like to, to share with the listeners. Is there anything you'd impart, whether it be football related or just life in general? Uh, I think, um, you know, probably you said to me that we, we all go to sleep as an expert, but make sure you wake up as a novice, you know, so every day uh, becomes a learning day and as I've said numerous times already today, just become the best version of yourself every day, you know, and, and you've got that choice, you know, yourself, you know, so um, that, that's probably as good as it gets with me. Dream talk.